doing home? Brother, what are you doing home? I knocked on Colm's sonny Larry, who's just sitting there. Sitting there doing what? Sitting there doing nothing. Smoking. Was he asleep? He was smoking, Siobhan. How do you smoke in your sleep, like? Have you been rowing? We haven't been rowing. I don't think we've been rowing. Have we been rowing? Why wouldn't he answer the door to me? Maybe he just doesn't like you no more. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. And our 2022 Palooza continues with a film that I guess I was looking forward to quite a bit, but didn't know it. Um, And before we get to it, I gotta tell you one thing, Mike, that may shock you, but if you really know me, then it might not shock you, is that I'm generally a fairly unhappy person. And and that's not to say that I uh, you know walk around town uh, telling people to uh, go f yourself or, or or constantly am am woe is me none of that not that kind of unhappy just a kind of mm. <laughs> well maybe I do that but in my mind <laughs> the latter part maybe <laughs> you know Paul Giamatti in there real life go. yes his persona yeah. But I just have a general sense of uh, sadness about things, and it takes an incredible amount of effort to deal with just your everyday things. And I'm also very introverted. That's another thing. Like, I can do this with you and me, back and forth all day. But, you know, put me in a in a party where there's a bunch of, like, obscure family members or family friends, and I, I, I shut down. Humans. <laughs> just humans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And so I had a couple of those days uh, where, and, and the other aspect of it, I found out how reliant I am on my family, my wife and daughter, to because they make living easier. I don't know how else to say it, but I found that out because they are in India visiting family while I'm here, and they've been gone for over a month now, and boy, it is tough. It turns out I kind of like my wife and kid. I believe that was a Chris Rock movie at some point. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to upgrade you, your comic stylings, that you're more Chris Rock than Paul Giamatti. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Give yourself a little credit. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Ultimately, it being alone got me right back into that that bachelor mindset, how I was uh, prior to uh, uh, being a family man, where I was obsessed with my movies and my research and just anything any hobby that I would, like, bury myself in. And I joked earlier today with you, it's like, 
You know, you can tell by the size of a person's Criterion collections how unhappy they really are with life. <laughs> and I feel like I'm up there. So, it just happens that... What a lovely intro <laughs> so far. Like, I'm wondering if the listeners are reaching for their phones or whatever. Like, oh, oh, God. Like, the holiday season's tough enough. <laughs> Jesus, Webb. Let's get, have a very positive but coming up here. That's what we're looking for as a listener. I, I, I think I think we'll get to that but eventually. It all led me. <laughs> it all led me. Keep subscribing. <laughs> even if the listeners wanted a call, they're like, it's already been recorded. He edited this. <laughs> Whatever he's going to do, he did. It all led to a, a, an, a post-work movie matinee of The Banshees of Inishirin. The Martin McDonough tragic comedy is the word that keeps coming up, and I don't know how else to uh, how else to describe it. This movie I found to be very funny and really, really, really tragic at the same time. Um, there, there are a lot of little things that are happening throughout the film that make me really love it. And again, because we're talking about 2022 films, there is going to be a bit of recency bias to to uh, how we react uh, to these films. What? You're commenting on movies on the internet? No such thing. Everything's the best of the work. <laughs> right. Of course. Uh, this is Martin McDonough's fourth or fifth feature, I think, and I've enjoyed all of his work. I think he had a short film uh, originally, but we don't count no. that. Uh, this was kind of the uh, uh, the spiritual follow-up to In Bruges, in that In Bruges is a film where you've got uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson becoming friends their characters are they they this friendship develops as, as they are exiled to bruges whereas this film is just the opposite where one decides to end it all together uh, how did you react to in bruges and then did that affect your viewing of banshees of inishirin mm, I, I don't think it affects i mean it's it's not like the direct follow up for one of this yes spiritual come you know around Seven psychopaths uh, time period, like four years after in Bruges, maybe I would have been like, oh, okay, so we got the gang all back together. Um, I have seen in Bruges, I mean, more than a few times because I, I greatly enjoy it. I think that one, you know, you call this a uh, tragic uh, comedy. I think that one probably in Bruges probably leans more comedy than tragic. And I don't know if it's because the. Two main characters there are uh, hitmen, they're assassins, so, you know, we accept bad things happening to them, even if we find them likable, and we do see a lot of character growth. With this film, seemingly as just two regular guys, even though it's in a very different you know time period and very different part of the world than what uh, you or I have experienced, I don't think I come in with any sort of preconceived notions about uh, how I should feel about either one of these two. They're just strangers to me, these two characters. And so all I knew was based on you know the trailers that it seems like it's about a <laughs> one friend deciding to end a friendship in a very small community. And coming from a small uh, town in Kentucky, I could definitely understand uh, the sort of betting interest that the rest of the townspeople have. <laughs> yeah. uh, they probably don't really care if these two remain friends because they're not a part of that particular friendship, but there's not a whole lot going on. So there's a curiosity uh, as to why the friendship ended and uh, a lot of the other supporting characters sort of uh, interjecting their own sort of theories or assumptions about these two men uh, just to create a narrative. 
But no, I would not say that in Bruges, I was not sitting there thinking like this, but it'll be in Bruges too, <laughs> like we're in Bruges the prequel. So I didn't think of it that way. Um, I, I was a big fan of Three Billboards, which came out uh, five years ago. And so I just looked at it more like that, like, oh, what's he going to do after Three Billboards? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm for the most part, other than Seven Psychopaths, I don't think I was that high on Seven Psychopaths. Uh, I'm very favorable uh, to this filmmaker, although I always, and I'm scrolling right now, I get <laughs> Martin McDonough uh, confused with uh, is it his brother that, uh, yes, uh, like that has done some other stuff with some of these similar uh, actors as well. And also, I think a similar sort of sensibility. John Mitchell McDonough. Yes, who did The Guard with... Uh, Brennan Gleeson, which is also another uh, comedy that I r really liked. And, you know, they've been working, obviously, in the same time period. So, uh, yeah, I guess we get uh, – uh, what is this? Can we call this like an Irish version of Ridley and Tony Scott here? Sure. You know, like kind of making similar movies. But, you know, maybe uh, I would say that uh, Martin probably has gotten more uh, critical acclaim with his, his work so far. Yeah. Uh, this one, I, I reacted very strongly to it. Um, sometime in back, back when I still had Facebook and I, I want to say it was still called the Facebook. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit. Oh, you were right there. It was Justin Timberlake huh? <laughs> right. right there saying, you know what they ought to do. Yeah. You and you two, I can see having the same sensibilities about social media. <laughs> Here we go. Here's what I will say. I got Facebook. I had a Facebook account when you still needed, uh, a, an EDU address to get one. And it was new and hip, and I used to flex my kind of a, a humorous muscles uh, on there. And one of my best friends uh, posted a photo of him at some lame party playing Twister, and I jumped on the opportunity to make fun of him. And and he, you know, his hand... As one does <laughs> on the internet, of course. If the internet is... Natural inclination for hate and how to spread it as quickly as possible. <laughs> Again, remember when I said I was unhappy? It's like, I see people having fun, I'm like, fuck them! <laughs> so... You know, the way Twister works, you know, you've got people's hands and feet all over the place, and it seemed like he was doing something uh, uh, sexually uh, um, with this other uh, girl, and, and none of them looked like they were having a fun time. So I, of course, jumped on the opportunity to make fun of that. And then I didn't hear from him for, like, three days. I'm like, what's going on? I thought it was really funny. And then I saw that he had commented, like, hey, can you remove that comment? You texted me that, and I was like, ha, 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 no, <laughs> because... <laughs> Doubling down. I did! <laughs> on the hate. I was like, damn it, I made a good rape joke, and I'm gonna stay... <laughs> and the Facebook must be aware of it. <laughs> this must be forever etched in stone. Well, anyway, what happened, though, is this friend who I had known for years cut off all contact with me, and watching... Brendan Gleeson's character, and I hate to say, uh, his character's name is Colm, and I believe uh, Colin Farrell is uh, Patrick. But boy, those names are hard to pronounce. And coming from me, I think that's uh, probably <laughs> hypocritical, but I think we're just going to uh, refer to them by the actors' names. But watching this friendship dissolve on screen in such a brutal way really affected me, really took me right back to some of these moments. And and it my, my friendship with this person never really recovered after that. And uh, so much so to the point 
my uh, one of my best friends now i told him about it and i was like you're not allowed to ghost me like that ever and of course uh one day i do a similar thing with him and he gets mad and then i remind him like hey you remember that and he calls me instantly and we you know hash it out but anyhow I love this, how you are the aggressor. You're the one that is committing <laughs> sins, and you're holding these people to account to continue to put up with your bullshit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, no learning, no, no growth on your end. <laughs> hey, you stay here while, while I insult you. <laughs> Hence the unhappiness. But this this viewing, uh, this this movie really hit me personally. Uh, in a really bad, in a re- really hurtful way, in a way that really got me thinking a mm. lot about myself, a lot about my own legacy, because that's what Brendan Gleeson's character is really looking at, right? The reason that he gives that he's going to break this friendship is because he's thinking about what he's going to leave behind, and he wants to leave something artistic behind rather than uh, uh, spend time with this dullard who is holding him back. That's the best reason we can come up with, I think, in this film. Do you think that's good enough of a reason? Maybe he's nearing, not the end of his life, but realizing his mortality and his, his what his legacy is going to be. I mean, philosophically, I can understand it. I Look, I mean, I, I have all manner of, of sin in my life, so I'm trying to... <laughs> trying to catch up with yours, which I still think it's your insistence on having a, a willing uh, participant and someone being insulted, having targets to, that you can have to <laughs> insult them. That's probably your sin, not your internet comments. Um, I remember like this has been years ago, but probably early in the sort of smartphone days that I had a buddy that used to uh, going pre smartphone. He would be the guy that would send like links to like comedy videos in the like two thousands and it, but it would be through email then. So pre social media, you would just get blasted with the, and then it was easy for me to never engage. Like I just would click, you know, I'd occasionally go through and check off 10 or 12 on Gmail or whatever, and then just hit delete. <laughs> I've never opened them. Cause it's just, you know, I, I think I even said, why don't you just start a blog? And he, you know, he knew me, he knew his social circle was like, yeah, but then nobody would look at it. And I'm like, Nobody's looking at it now. We just have to deal with it. Like it's <laughs> we want you to do all this somewhere where we don't have to deal with it at all. And when we got to the smartphone age uh, and like group messages and stuff, he would send like these YouTube videos and you know be like, "Oh, this is so funny! You gotta watch it." And I, I was, I, I finally like, I guess spoke for the group because privately people would be like, "God damn it! Another one of these fucking like ten minutes! Like it's just some you know, it's very much like a podcast. It's just some dude commenting." Like sitting in an office chair, and like while he finds it amusing, I don't know how you are with comedy web. I was like, am a little bit uh, hesitant to introduce someone to like, I love this comedy bit, like especially if it's something where they have to spend a lot of time, and it's like watch it from me or give me your reaction immediately. Like I can give you suggestions, or I can maybe mention in conversation I found this amusing, or you should check out this artist in some capacity. But I'm very uncomfortable holding someone to that. Like, if they want to come back to me six months later and be like, hey, dude, this is this is great. She's awesome. Whatever. That's great. But when someone is saying, watch this, listen to this, read this, and then immediately get back to me on your, your thoughts, I'm like, don't people sign up for book clubs? Like, they have to <laughs> willingly show up. So in this group thread, I told the guy, I'm like, look, man, like, you know, if you want to, like, 
naturally bring this up, <laughs> summarize what it is that you found amusing, but I'm like, don't just blindly send me things that I have to then, you've given me a 10 minute assignment at least. And he's like, well, I just did. I mean, you watch a lot of stuff. You watch a lot of movies. You don't have time for that. And I'm like, all right. So now we're, <laughs> now you're saying this YouTube video is the same as fucking Hitchcock or Scorsese. <laughs> like it should weasel its way in. And I'm, I'm not trying to be a snob, but it's like, I have selected those things based on prior work and I enjoy them. I have some understanding that I would enjoy this. So to get back to the film that we're discussing here, when he introduced that, I was like, oh, that's kind of clever because I've, while I've not had anything that goes to the extent of the, the feud of Banshees here, I got that where it's like, you know what? I only have so much bandwidth in, in my life for sort of bullshit and nonsense. I think the problem where I turn on this character played by Brendan Gleeson is it seems like he's got an awful lot of time for fucking nonsense, cutting <laughs> off his fingers. And he's also, I, I think it's, you know, Colin Farrell rightly says he is still sitting in the bar listening to other people bullshit and clearly people that he doesn't seem to much care for. So I'm with Colin Farrell as far as like, is this has to be something personal. It's not just a philosophical thing where you're sensing your own mortality and you want to like, commit yourself to this goal because you're still at the fucking pub. You're, you're sitting with a guy who you hate and detest uh, someone that you, you know, I think in that very scene, you will punch out, you'll yeah. throw, you'll come to fisticuffs with. And so the longer the movie goes on, I'm thinking, I don't believe you anymore. Artists. I don't think you actually have anything to say to the world. I think this feud is the legacy you wanted to leave. And you concocted this whole thing where you made Colin Farrell's character, a willing participant in this bit of theater that you hope will be passed down in the small town years and years. Like, Hey, remember the guy that cut off his fucking fingers? Like I start to think not only is he pompous, but I think that he's got a little bit of writer's block because I feel like you, you need this aggression in your life. You need something to stimulate you, to make you feel vindicated and why you're not accomplishing what you set out to accomplish. So you're going to assign all the blame all the shortcomings of your life to poor dim-witted Colin Farrell. So I, I did a turn. I, I started off understanding it. And then as it went on, um, you know, it's just, it got too silly for me. I'm not saying the movie is bad. I'm saying their feud got so silly that I totally went against the, the artist and like what he needs in life to, to produce art and mostly thought he just had nothing to say. So he started to self harm. <laughs> and draw attention to himself in other ways certainly i i also think back to good old elwood p dowd you know in this life you can be oh so successful or oh so pleasant i thought about that as well and and colin farrell is just pleasant and he's a nice guy and he kind of resents being nice as well halfway through the film where he's like uh, and you see him play that horrible and hilarious trick on, on the the visitor <laughs> 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 which which i <laughs> That that was one of those moments I laughed out loud in the theater. I rarely do that. It is horrible for the man, but it's sweet because it's a not-so-clever, uh, very mean-spirited ruse just so he can spend more time with his buddy. Yeah. And he even says that. Like, now that we got rid of that guy, we can hang out again. Um yeah, I was I was all I was all for the the dunce here. I was all for the dim-witted and very handsome Colin Farrell. What what is Brendan Gleeson? What else has he got to look at other than just staring to those dreamy eyes of Colin Farrell? I'm like, that's <laughs> the life, buddy. Like you, <laughs> you you won the lottery just by being in this small town. Their friendship and their little war is also mirrored. I don't know if you, I don't know how often that's mentioned, 
But the film takes place uh, during the Irish uh, Civil War. So uh, I think in 1919, there was the uh, Irish War of Independence from, from Britain. And then in 21, Britain ultimately called for a truce. And so Ireland was kind of split into two, like Northern Ireland and then all, everything in the South uh, was the Irish Free State. And then literally after that, and then the Northern Ireland was an autonomous dominion of the United Kingdom. And so it's a subtle background. There's one scene where Colin Farrell's sister uh, kind of hears cannons or, or something in the background. And it's never really mentioned, but this is where it's happening. So you've got like the Irish Civil War in the backdrop, a really subtle mirror to what's happening with these two individuals and how it's affecting this small town. There's a lot of little things in this film that are uh, superb. Um, how Are you all caught up on your Irish folklore and mythology? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, let me let me let me tell you just a brief little anecdote, which I it's brief because I did not participate. So our mutual friend Dave, that we've we've both done you know many a pro- podcast production with, sends me an invite and says our our local uh, art house theater uh, is playing this film, which you know they were playing it the same week that you know your Regals and your Cinemarks, everyone's had it because in post COVID times. <laughs> Thankfully for my smaller cities, theaters are in such need of content that there there is no platforming really anymore. They're like, just give it to us. We'll yeah, we'll play it. We'll see if our audience <laughs> wants it. If they'll take it, uh, and it's it's you know not really worked out. I, I think financially, but the art house theater. The difference was, and the reason Dave was going to see it at that particular uh, theater was that they were, had invited a local. Uh, I guess sort of classical like Irish <laughs> jug band or whatever <laughs> to perform Irish music <laughs> from that time period uh, and have Irish dancing, classic Irish dancing before the movie played. And all I could think was, are you fucking telling me that the filmmaker behind in Bruges would sanction this? <laughs> would he approve of people being silly and being like, oh, look, you know, like, isn't, aren't the, the silly sounds from Ireland, aren't they amusing to you uh, as we <laughs> appropriate this, these Kentucky musicians? And I'm like, no, man, I'm going to respect the filmmaker. I'm going to get my ass to Cinemark with the heated seats <laughs> and <the> giant popcorn. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Also, tonally, this song and dance really doesn't work before. <laughs> Have you seen this movie? <laughs> no, not at all. Um... Well, in Irish folklore, the the banshee is a female spirit who brings the news of a death, specifically of like a family member. And so we kind of look at the, uh, I think, Miss McCormick character is that banshee in this film. I don't see too much of it online uh, about this, I guess, interpretation. But if she is indeed the banshee and she mentions that uh, two two people will die... And, of course, we see uh, one of them is uh, poor Dominic, who really wonderfully uh, played by Barry Keoghan. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. The Joker. The Joker, that's (laughs) right. The Joker. But, you know, it was nice seeing him and Colin Farrell back together after killing of a sacred deer. I thought they both were excellent in that one. So this was kind of a fun little reunion movie. Uh, Look at you. You you meant to say the Batman. That's what you meant to say. <laughs> Even though they don't share a scene together. That's what you meant to say. <laughs> Penguin and Joker, back at it again. Yes. And so this Banshee, uh, this character, 
kind of predicts those two deaths. And then the other one is Jenny. And one of the karmic jokes I think this film has is, again, once again, in, in Irish folklore, if you have multiple banshees, then that will signify that somebody of importance and of significance will die. And the fact that the film is called The Banshees of Inishirin and there's only one, kind of ultimately they're saying that these people are not of any significance. And it kind of goes back to Brendan Gleeson's uh, uh, comment about, you know, what do we leave behind? Like he wants to, he, he seems to be wanted to be somebody of, of, of great importance. And and he, he talks about Mozart uh, and... <laughs> Called real. I've never heard of him, so there goes your theory. Wonderful little touches like that. But it all kind of ties back in to the grander questions. And that's what this film ultimately got me thinking about. The, the why are we here and what's it all mean and what, what really matters in life. Is it the the smaller moments? This right here, you and me talking? Like, th- is this what's important? Like, I know I'm never going to invent something that's going to you know, uh, change the world. But this right here, what we do, like my goal, my goal on Trilogy and Theory has always been, like, if I can make Mike laugh, like, I'll have done my job. And really, you make me laugh way more than the other way. But I always strive for for that. Uh, listeners be damned. It's really all about us. And so are these moments... I mean, I can tell by the numbers you feel exactly that way. <laughs> Web. Listeners be damned. <laughs> Although... The data they give us is is questionable and concerning as far as what, what spikes we get as far as the film selection. So I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't listen to them at all. But this film got me thinking about all that stuff. What about you? Yeah, I mean, like I, I think I've always had, in my view, I, a healthy amount of ego where – I don't think that what we're producing is is necessary or like I'm I'm not a a guy that especially in the heyday like a post serial of podcasts where everybody started getting into this hobby uh I did not feel it was necessary to tell everyone I'm doing a podcast if someone wanted to ask me about it I'd be like yeah it's about this and my first question would be do you you know do you watch a lot of movies and if they said no I would just be like well that's probably not for you I'm not going to give you the hard sell on this because I do not have these delusions of grandeur, uh, and I could probably think of very few things that are worse uh, than being some sort of pop culture commentator professionally, especially online, <laughs> because they are just horrendous people, it seems like, and they seem very unhappy. Um, I, my aim is is more uh, probably like you, to, to have a good conversation with you, and if other people want to like be sitting at the table behind us and they just happen to overhear it, that's kind of my view of how people discover our podcast. However, like I also want to treat it with a certain earnestness, maybe not seriousness, but an earnestness uh, that it should have some value. Uh, this, this exchange between us should be valuable. It, it shouldn't be that I just show up and, you know, like a Twitch streamer where I'm just like, I like to play video games and you watch me do it. It's just, <laughs> just like, you know. <laughs> Like, I do feel like there's an, an element of theatricality to it. I'm not cutting my fucking fingers off to get attention on whatever social media platform we're, we're, we're going to, you know, try to drum up interest in this little production for. But um, I think what the concerns of, of the characters are both valid, both men, like Colin Farrell's where it's like, 
don't, you know, don't our conversations like bring you some happiness. And if they don't, then you should have a conversation with me telling, telling why, like it is, it is a very, <laughs> I guess, original take on ghosting, which that term would not have existed at this time where, uh, which now is, is common apparently in, in dating circles. It's almost expected that people will break up with you without a conversation that it's just, you just swipe to the, the next thing. I think that that's totally valid on Colin Farrell's part. Like, don't you think you take some blame here for not, talking to me about your own hopes, dreams, and desires. Like you're saying what we discuss is dull to you and meaningless, but yet you don't have the stones to introduce the heavy hitting commentary and give me a chance to, to sort of bat the ball back with you because you think I'm too stupid to, to do so. I mean, I, I think the film is not, is not that warm and sweet in that I think it's assessing that yes, Colin Farrell was too stupid to probably have those bigger conversations with, but there was no attempt made. Uh, I look at trilogy in theory as an attempt. It's just an attempt to assess how you and I, not only how, how we're spending our time, uh, because obviously we have lives outside of this. What it really is about is it's how we choose to like hold on to a small bit of our lives on something that you know you and I have managed to find one other person that understands the other one, and we can like really get into this for for about a half hour at a time. We can really get into this before we have to go back to. <laughs> The, the the drudgery of the real world, <laughs> which is overstating it, but I I find that healthy, and I I do think that the sort of modern online culture of like your hobby uh, is meant for everyone to consume, uh, not just finding a like minded you know fellow traveler on this globe like you know I've done, but you need to find uh, a thousand or five thousand other people that care about your bullshit as much as you do. That's a little unhealthy. Like I, you know, I think that taking away discovery from um, consumers is is what we've always complained about. We complained about when there was radio that you, you're forcing us to listen to this, these things. That you know, I, I want to discover my own shit. When you're a teenager, you want to find your own bands. You want to find your own authors and your own. And so, Brendan Gleeson's character thinking that if I just remove this one guy, I'll be great. Right. It's disingenuous, and it's clearly dangerous. And God forbid anyone disagree with anyone else or have a different opinion about... I uh, some I was on the Twin Peaks subreddit, and somebody posted up someone else's like uh, uh, artwork about Twin Peaks, and it was one of those like floating heads posters where like, all the characters, somebody did that. And each individual character was like well-drawn, and I, and, but I commented, I was like, each individual thing is really well done, but putting them all together is kind of a mess, and it kind of follows the trends of modern movie posters, where you just have a bunch of floating heads, and there's no concept, so it's just messy. One person responded. I got downvoted, by the way. One person. <laughs> <laughs> One person, he's like, oh, I totally get what you're saying. I had, like, a decent back and forth. Another one was like, oh, yeah, well, let's see you draw a poster. Well, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the modern internet where it's like, all right, here's mine. <laughs> like, here's my podcast. Here's my short film. Ever, don't never challenge someone to say, let's see you do it because today someone will like, the, <laughs> or I'm surprised, you know, Webb, you're, you're, you kind of revel in your trollish ways, you know, get on one of those like little AI art 
software that <laughs> in <laughs> all the Twin Peaks characters and have it have it drawn up in five seconds. Fire right back at them. I I, resp- I I responded to him. I'll get right on it, you blockhead. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. <laughs> I I could have gone on this tirade uh, with expletive, but I was like, I'm gonna call him a blockhead, and he's not gonna know what to do. <laughs> and and that's it. That's all I ended up. The Banshees of Inisherin is is just a film that again we talked about recency bias earlier. I, I I'm I'm just kind of in love with it right now and like everything about it, the acting, the the scenery, the vistas, like uh, the the creation of like isolation of these characters. And and I still really haven't come to grips with everything. But I whether I think this film w- will be good in a year or not. Uh, or, you know, the eventual Oscar hype that I'm sure it's going to get if I'm going <laughs> to go the opposite way. Ultimately, what I can tell you about this film, like the biggest compliment I can give it is like, I can't wait to watch it again. Whereas I found it for the most part unpleasant. And I was like, that was just sad. And uh, I don't want, I am in no rush <laughs> to get, get back to that. <laughs> Give me in Bruges, where Colin Farrell kills a child in the <laughs> opening sequence. Get me back to the hilarity of that. 